You're listening to Wander and Roam. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Wander and Roam. The first two episodes feature a very special guest, Jay Dragon, the author of Wander Home. Our first two episodes were recorded remotely and feature the occasional dip in quality, but we have fixed it up as well as we can. Thank you so much for joining us and for the continued support. We have so many fun things on the way, and we hope you enjoy these shows as much as we enjoy making them. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to the Heath. As our friends wind their way across the Heath, the seasons change alongside them. The cool and rainy days of monsoon giving way to the clear and bright blue meadow. The blazing sun of Devil's Day and the cooler days of swarming and gatling. The days begin to shorten, dusk creeping in earlier and earlier every day. We join our friends on an overcast day on the last day of Silt, the nameless day. A vast and dilapidated city is built on the edge of a river. The once proud and elaborate buildings crumble in disrepair. The grounds are overgrown and untended, and wild bugs buzz and leap from ruin to ruin. On a gate that arches over the bridge crossing the river is an ornate sign that once read Summer Palace, a remnant of better days. Floodwaters pour through the center streets, and our friends watch as, in the cemetery, a coffin rises through the mud and begins to float down the street. Welcome to Umer Palace. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> Look at those coffins! Just, like, swimming right on down there. Raindrop. Yeah? I'm gonna need you to stick next to me. These coffins are, uh, mighty peculiar. Do you think there's actually someone in there, or treasure in there, maybe? Like... The only treasure are the friends we made along the way there, sweetheart. I don't think that there's anything going on in there that we need to be a part of. But do be careful, Raindrop. If you look inside, the only person you find might be yourself. <gasps> like a long-lost twin, or like... I was thinking more like a metaphor. Oh, a metaphor, I see. Okay, <laughs> right. Are you just going to watch those coffins float away, or are you going to grab one and help me reinter them? Whoa! Who are you? My name is Walt. I am the caretaker of this town. Here, help me with a coffin. The vulture flutters down from a perch upon a tree, lands on a coffin, and begins trying to haul it out of the river that is flowing through the town. He, like, pulls it to the edge, and the lid of it slips off, and a flurry of funerary robes slides into the flood water. Squeakers, a small mouse wearing a duster, a large brim hat, and charged with the crime of falling in love with the wrong person at the wrong time, saunters up to Walt and puts his hand on his shoulder and says, Yeah, it looks like you ain't too used to this manual labor stuff you see you're supposed to keep everything like within the container let me try let me try squeakers reaches towards another coffin the rotting wood gives way (laughs) and the coffin slides along down the stream 
a total comedy of <laughs> One little bony mouse hand pokes out. It looks like the mouse head is giving you a little wave. It looks like you're not too good at this manual labor thing. <laughs> Seeing these two consecutive displays of spooky grotesquerie, Hamish's eyes light up. He jumps over to the river and grabs the side of a coffin that's passing by, and he says, Now, now, let Hamish Hogg show you how it's done. And this large groundhog wearing a pointy wool hat grabs the edge of the coffin, and it stays perfectly sound. And he gives it a little shake, but it doesn't detach. His eyes start to narrow in anger, and he kicks the box. He shakes it again, and he throws it away, and he says, I never like coffins anyway. Not to be outdone, Raindrop, a very cute and lighthearted duckling with a flower cap, walks up to the river and trying to get her timing just right, she reaches out and grabs onto a wooden box, but having zero upper body strength and no muscles whatsoever, the coffin pulls her into the river, oh, and no. she clings on the top. Guys? Hey, uh, oh, oh, hey, ra- Raindrop, where are you going? Raindrop! I-, I think the coffin wants me to go with it. It doesn't want to be brought to shore. As you're sliding into the water, a cold hand pulls you up. and brings you to shore and there's a mysterious stranger looks down at you and like laughs a little bit you idiot why are you trying to do that oh i'm so sorry thank you so much i mean um i wouldn't have dreamt i'm a duck but um i thank you that was that was very kind of you i'm Uh, not worried about you drowning i'm worried about you getting carried away (laughs) that's fair but maybe maybe that other place has more adventure to it than this shore The mysterious stranger grins and says, No, it does not. It was very ominous. I I suppose you might be right. Um, I'm I'm Raindrop. What is your name? The hand that's not mechanical takes yours, and you can see that it's covered in many scars and bandages. Alea shakes your hand. Alea is about six foot five uh, hyena woman wearing baggy pants and then a funerary cloak that she has fashioned into a robe to wear and it's this black wide rimmed hat my friends call me Alea Alea nice to meet you Whoa, you're mighty strong I didn't say you could call me Alea oh oh I'm so sorry I suppose she turns to look at everyone else and she says what the hell are you doing here on the last day of self Aldern flutters over and says, Oh, we're just passing through and noticed a town and thought we'd stop for some food and drink and shelter. Thank you for saving our duckling. My name is Aldern Feathersby. Squeakers steps up and says, Yeah, my name's uh, Squeakers. Squeakers and an asses. At your service, ma'am. And he tips his little hat. Oh, uh, chuckles despite herself. And I'm Hamish Hogg. It's been mighty nice to meet you. Uh, now, you say it's the last day is sealed, like we should know what that is. She looks at all of you like you have, between the four of you, walks for brains <laughs> and says, There's a lot of dead things in this place. It's a cursed land. The only people who live here are those stubborn enough to stick around. About a day's travel west of here, there's a much better town. If I were you, I'd go there instead. Day's travel west? Um, why are you still here? Alea looks at Aldern and says, Because I'm a stubborn idiot. And <laughs> here I am. 
You and Squeakers have something in common. We at least have a similar taste in hats. Uh, and she tips her hat, which is, I think, of a similar make to Squeaker. <laughs> well, as you may have noticed, we are also quite stubborn as well, and we do love spooky new places. So maybe a tour is in order? Alea looks over at Walt and says, I don't know this place, but I reckon he does. I could take you on a tour of what remains of the town, although I must finish soon repainting the wards upon the walls. They have been washed away since last season. Oh, Raindrop will reach into her little bag and pull out an array of paintbrushes. I'm really good at painting things, so if you need some help, I'm here. Know you the symbols for warding against the Do not speak her name. God. Not today. Not ever, but not today. Squeakers sees this interaction between Walt and Alea and turns to Hamish and whispers as quiet as possible as to not be heard. Hey, uh, Hamish, in all your travels and all your book learning and old books and whatnot, y'all ever hear about, uh, this, uh, Squeakers looks both ways to make sure that Alea and Walt aren't paying attention. Uh, slobbering god. As you say her name, the shadows feel like they lengthen. And there's this sense that we are not alone on this street. The water that was flowing through the streets dies down a little bit. And the coffins come to a stop in the middle of the street. Oh, okay, all right. I didn't want to draw attention to myself, but all right, everyone, look at Hamish. <laughs> <laughs> Squeakers turns around and says, "Never mind about what whatever I just said. I ain't say nothing." Hey, Squeakers, you feel like uh, we're not alone, and I don't mean like in a cosmic sense. I mean like in this physical location. Do you feel a presence? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm standing right next to you, so I feel like <laughs> I'm in your presence. I'm in Alea's beautiful presence. I just got duckling bumps on my arm, so I, I, I think I'm going to agree with Hamish. I, I don't think we're alone. Alea's shadow looms over all of you, and she looks around and she says, Whatever you're afraid of, she's dead now. She's not able to harm you. Let's go inside and find something to eat. The concept of spiders is dead? <laughs> Alea looks at you and drums against the pommel of her blade. You see underneath her cloak that there is a, a very, very large sword sheathed at her side. She drums her mechanical hand against it, and she looks at you. Hey, Raindrop? Yeah? Yeah, um, I'm gonna die today, so just formally I'd like to bequeath to you my 95 bees. Just yes. I mean, I really hope you don't pass away, but I do have plans for 95 bees, so it's lining up very well. You're not gonna die unless Greta's cooking has gotten worse since last time I was here. Come along. Allow me to show you to the kitchens. As the group moves following Walt, we see a very large palace. You can tell that in its heyday, it was very opulent, but time and wear has taken its toll and it looks dilapidated on the side 
you see painted in big letters, Umer Palace, heading through the large doors. This place smells like old hickory and decay. Walt begins his tour. If you look to your right, you will see the former dance hall, the grand ballroom of Summer Palace. Oh, that's a lot of room. Yes, nowadays it is used for storing the summer harvest. Hamish looks over into the ballroom and sees sheaves upon sheaves of harvested crops seemingly dancing with each other. Some of them twirl. They're all arranged in pairs. Are there many people that live in this town? I mean, it seems like a big harvest, so... There are about 50 of us now. Oh, 50 out of what? Thousands. Oh. It fluctuated between one and two thousand people, depending on the guests and nobles currently attending the king of the floating mountain. Out of the corner of our eye, we see that there is a group of dogs that are bundling excess corn stalks and grasses together and tying them in vague humanoid shapes. Scapegoats. Squeakers notices that Alea is hanging towards the back of the group. <laughs> he slows his gait down to walk next to her, and he is absolutely dwarfed by her size, and he turns and just says, Hey, so, uh, what's your deal? She says, I'm nobody anymore. I'm just an idiot with a sword who sticks around a little past her prime. At the mention of sword, Raindrop also looks back and sees the conversation and hangs back as well and says, um, I've, I've noticed your sword and I'm, I'm quite a bit of a swordswoman myself, except I can't seem to keep my hands on one. People really hesitate giving a sharp object to me for no apparent reason, but, uh, looks pretty cool. Have you ever killed someone, Raindrop? Um, I can't say I've crossed that off of my list yet, but I am still pretty young. You want to kill someone? No, I'm just saying the future is open and I can't predict what will happen, but... There is no pleasure in killing. There is nothing to look forward to there. There is no future. Killing is the anti-future. To bring a sword across someone's neck is to destroy a future. Very, very wise words. Yeah, more in love of the concept of just holding a sword or just having one on my person for um, aesthetic reasons. Somehow, despite our brief stint as train pirates, I don't think any of us have taken a life. Alea stops walking and kneels down to look at you. Look out that window. The raindrop turns. Out through the kind of old window that's like cracked and dirty, there is a beautiful verdant field that was once full of topiarian bushes and flower gardens, but all of that has been replaced by rows upon rows of graves. Tombstone after tombstone that goes on as far as the eye can see. About a third of the good men lying there were placed there by my blade. She stands up and she keeps walking. Squeakers almost to himself says, Wow, beautiful and dangerous. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> She's so cool. <laughs> Woo wee. <laughs> 
Now don't wander off. Wander and Rome will be right back. Hey folks, it's Addison. By now you've heard the voice of our esteemed guest, the author of Wander Home, Jay Dragon. Tell us about yourself, Jay. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Addison. My name is Jay Dragon. I am the editorial director at Possum Creek Games, creator of Wander Home, co-creator of the upcoming Yazeba's Bed and Breakfast. I am a queer disabled game designer located in Philadelphia, and I make games about community, marginality, and the magic of the mundane. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. people to know Danny. You're Danny. Who am I? Summer. I'm Summer. We are bisexually lit. This is a podcast about movies and life and everything in between. Two best friends who are loud and queer and love to talk about movies on and off mic and we'd like to take you along for the ride. Why did we name our podcast Bisexually Lit? Well, like, you know, A, we're bisexual. Extremely. B, we're we're getting lit. We're giving literary and thematic readings to the movies we love. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We drop a new episode every other Monday, bi-weekly, if you will. Oh, I will. Have you ever seen something you couldn't explain? Have you ever felt like something was watching you, even when you were alone? Have your dreams ever started bleeding into the reality around you? Starting March 8th, join us bi-weekly as we travel around the contiguous United States sharing strange stories and discovering mysteries hidden within the vastness of America. Listen to Lower 48 on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the tour continues, the smell of decay is replaced by the familiar smell of stew. Walt leads the party into the kitchen area. At the stove, you see a badger furiously stirring a bowl as a cauldron bubbles over a wood-burning stove. Greta turns and says, What are you doing in my kitchen? I thought I told you that you have to wait until dinner. Oh, is it not dinner time yet? Um, The sky is always so gray and gloomy, I have no concept of what time it is. Oh, Walter, how could you? She told you. Greta, these are newcomers to town. If they could spend a few moments in the kitchen, I will head to prepare the guest quarters. I suppose, but uh, I really need to get this finished because we have so much left to do before... Tonight, before tonight, Alea walks up to Greta a little bit like a ghost from another life and says, I brought you something for the stir. All right, put it on the counter. Alea pulls out a bundle of purple carrots and just kind of tosses it down onto the table. It's good to see you, Greta. It's been a while. Greta looks almost suspiciously at Alea and then looks at the carrots and then back at Alea and just says, You know, I didn't actually expect you to come back. And especially bearing such great gifts. Yeah, neither did I. 
Greta grabs the purple carrots and begins chopping them up and unceremoniously flicking them into the stew. And as the group turns to leave, with her back turned, wiping her hands on her apron, Greta just says, Dinner is in about ten minutes. I'll save a place for you. Thank you, Greta. Behind Greta, under a counter, a sack of potatoes rustles. <laughs> and one potato falls to the floor and rolls out around Greta's feet. And our heroes can see, though Greta cannot, two small rabbits hiding behind the potatoes, wearing rabbit masks. Oh, crap, 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 the potato before she sees. But wait, guys, guys, you a, a fox also wearing a rabbit mask. Hey, you gotta keep it down, otherwise she's gonna I think hear I got us. it. The group sees one tiny rabbit paw reach around the floor trying to find the potato before grabbing Greta's foot. <laughs> Eric grabs Gabble and Greta is like looking around now. Was that you? You little, uh, uh what are you? A duckling? Oh, oh I, I'm over here. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Aldern has tilted his head sideways and is staring wide-eyed at these little rabbits and this fox. Eric the fox makes eye contact and is gesturing frantically to, like, keep quiet. Um, yes, that, that um, was Raindrop. Raindrop, how dare you, um, grab their foot. I thought I, um, saw a carrot and was super hungry, but I, it's your foot and not, I, we should go. There's some wonderful paintings in the West Hall. If they're not Ooh. too damaged by mold, we can go with those while we wait for dinner. And we give Greta some space. I'm a connoisseur of art myself, so this sounds wonderful. Olea picks up Raindrop. At this point, Olea thinks nothing about carrying you around. Nothing. So the gang walks out of the kitchen into the west hallway. There are several pictures that depict half scenes because of the mold and the wear half of the paintings on almost every frame are just gone you'll get a picture of a mighty hero fighting nothing or a picture of a great adventurer discovering nothing hey aldern oh yes what are you imagining goes on the other side of that painting aldern looks at it and says i'm not sure and as he looks, there's a rustling within his coat. The small and feral forgotten god squirms its way out of its jacket and almost melds into the picture. It forms into the shape of a large lupine figure. It reveals this thing that's almost like if a wolf was a snake, the head of a wolf, a pair of front paws, and then like long and serpentine and draconic wings, this huge wolf mouth that is pouring down drool in these oceans that is like leaping up to bite the blade. Alea looks visibly uncomfortable. Squeaker turns to Raindrop and says, Oh man, I hope she wins. That's pretty fearsome, but I f expect it would be really hard to fight with all that drool coming out. You might, like, slip and fall, or... Are you rooting for the monster? Is that the... It'd be hard to fight with all the drool coming out of your mouth? It should be a little more fair, I'm just saying. Maybe... <laughs> oh. It was part of how she defended herself. The drool is as hot as a burning stout, and would scald the skin of the warriors who tried to attack her. The rivers that she formed can still be found out in the western mountains, great rivers of red water that melt through towns. 
the remnants of her jewel. Oh my goodness. So this is... Is that... This is the bad thing. That's what this is. Hey, Aldern, I got a question about your small and forgotten god. Uh, yes. So is it feral because it's evil? Because, I mean, it's showing us some weird stuff. The serpentine wolf in the picture seems to snap and writhe. Um, come on, come on out of there. It's just showing you what was already there. There's no harm in that. Another. Let's see another. <laughs> and Raindrop will scurry to the next. Alea looks visibly uncomfortable and says, I think that stew is almost ready. Maybe we should head back. I am hungry for stew. I guess, I guess history can wait a minute. There's nothing worth it. It's dead people killing each other over nothing. There's no interest or honor or glory or lessons to be learned. There's just the piles of bones on which a better world were built. Uh, Alea, you are speaking my language. That was truly something that I will keep with me forever. I've had a lot of time to think about it. Ah, introspection. Beautiful. Squeakers, the way you're ogling her, they should call you the slobbering god. <laughs> Alea grimaces. <laughs> Both from saying the slobbering god's name, but also from the acknowledgement of Squeakers being flirty, which Alea, it seems, has not made up her mind on whether or not she's reciprocating. As the group turns to leave the Hall of Portraits and heads back towards the kitchen, they can see Walt with a jar and a paintbrush adorning a door in strange symbols that he has just finished painting. Alea doesn't comment on it. Alder, I think you're the one who was observant enough to notice that the sword in the painting has the same pommel and... It's a wolf's head on the hilt that is the same that Alea has on her sword. Alea, the pommel on your sword there, it looks very similar to the one in the picture. Is that you? Alea looks at Aldern and says, It was my grandmother. Oh, she must have been a great warrior. She was, and Alea says that in the way that someone might whisper a bitter insult. Oh, as the gang walks down the hallway, from one of the rooms they pass by, they hear a little plink-plunk noise of xylophones as the door <laughs> blows open, and, and they see three little animals, two bunnies and a fox, on their tiptoes, looking like a deer in the headlights. If we don't move, they won't know where she her. Birds could only see with motion. Yeah, I, th I think that we're okay. I can hear you. Oh, that triggers the three of them to single file, still tiptoeing, but tiptoeing at two times speed <laughs> into the door of another room, and the door creaks closed. You're not in trouble. I just wanted you to know I perceive you. <laughs> I, I I don't think he saw us. I think we're I, 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 the, the whispers from the other side of the door trail off as the group walks into an old hall with a long wooden table. The table is adorned with rusty candelabras and already sitting at the table is a shrew wearing purple robes that have moth holes. They carry themselves in a poised manner and yet you can tell that there's a bit of sadness to their countenance. 
I think it's really important that Noble Emeritus is a Mary Antoinette style wig. One of those like very large Rococo wigs with faded dead flowers stuck in it. She leans towards the group and says, I'm glad you could join me for dinner, please. And she will hold up a little bell in her hand and give it a ring. The table is far, far longer than it has any right to be. It is almost like you can't quite tell where it stops on the other side of the room. The room is large enough to fit an army in it. Hamish does a little bow and he says, Oh, well, thank you, miss. Uh, don't mind if I bees. And he blows his silent whistle and single file 95 bees start bouncing in from the door and, and sitting <laughs> one by one at the table. As the bees are each taking their own seat, going further and further down, bees just disappearing into the darkness of the hall. Greta pushes a door open with her hips, carrying with two hands the bubbling cauldron. All right, all right, I told you not to ring the bell. It's ready when it's ready. She walks over to the shrew, reaches in with a ladle, and pours some stew into the bowl in front of her. Thank you, as always, Greta. Alea goes to sit down on one of the seats. Oh, 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 I'll sit over there too. And she runs over, and as she pulls the chair out, there is already something sitting in the seat. Ooh. She casually gives it a push off the chair. It's a beetle that is kind of cat-sized, and it's got, like, <laughs> two big bright eyes that, like, blink at you rather dissatisfyingly before it kind of <laughs> leaps up onto the table and arches its weird little back. Oh, oh, sorry. Um, thank you. And Raindrop will sit and wait expectantly for the others. Is this your town, ma'am, madam, my lady? My lady will do. No, this is not my town, but I am one of the few who remain. My name is Marionetta. Pleased to make all your acquaintances. Pleasure. My name is Alden Feathersby. Yeah, uh, Squeakers. Hey, uh, I got a question. So if you don't run this town, but you're still here, and you're, like, ringing the bell, calling the shots, whatever, why are you still here? Well, this is my home. Where else would I go? Born and raised, and this is where I intend to die. Are you going to be buried out in that lovely cemetery? The one with the floating coffins? Yeah, and the topiary made of bones. Yeah, are you going to float too? One day, uh, my body will choose when it decides to leave this place for good. But until then, I shall be in the ground like all the others. Alea says, it is good to see you again. I don't know if you remember me, but we used to play together in the East Hall underneath the painting of King Leopold. You always pretend to be a... What was that? You always chose the champion, and who am I but to be the opposite damsel in distress? You were a really good princess, Alea says, and pours some soup and says, I'm sorry about how things went. If I could have spared your sister, I would have. Marionetta will pick up a glass and hold it up towards Alea and say, This is how things are, but uh, it is good to see a familiar face. Squeakers, you got some competition. <laughs> nah, I'm more worried about Greta personally. <laughs> yeah, everybody wants to climb that mountain. <laughs> I apologize if this is um, forward and uncouth, but what happened here? It used to be such a grand palace. What happened here is usually what happens everywhere. Time, 
bad memories, decay. Things that shine tend to lose their luster after so long. Yeah, it's simple entropy, Alder, and get with it. <laughs> I'm almost 80 years old. I'm well familiar with entropy. <laughs> <laughs> the door on the opposite side of where the group came in creaks open, and standing in the doorway is a tall, lanky wolf wearing a straw hat pulled down over his eyes, well-worn overalls, and a cloak carrying a walking stick. He grumbles and says, Dinner ready yet? Ford, I'm, I'm glad you can join us. Please sit. This is the first person who, upon seeing Alea, gets visibly, actively uncomfortable. Her hand goes to her pommel, and she pulls herself in a little closer before catching herself Ford, despite his age, you can tell from his eyes, he's still very whip-smart. He sees the shift and feels the shift in Alea's energy. He grumbles. Uh, there's no time for that. Not on a night like this. I'm sorry. It's an honor to see you. Ford, using his walking stick, sits down next to Marionetta. He turns and says... The meat's been on the windowsill again. Did you put it there? Tradition is tradition. Tradition. I say to hell with the whole thing. And he grabs the bowl and begins slurping the stew. Alea gives a sidelong glance towards Raindrop and then eats her stew, looking down. Squeakers turns to Hamish and says, Where do all these people come from? And why do they all have the same tension that I have with Alea? <laughs> they just keep showing up. <laughs> but how about that wolf, though? Hubba hubba. I, I suppose he does have a certain rugged quality that some might find charming. Alea whispers and says, I promise you, little one, you are more charming than this wolf. Squeakers almost faints. <laughs> And he's too embarrassed, but he has a big grin on his face as he slurps his stew with a very large spoon. A faint breeze goes along the table, and the group can't help but to feel as if they're sitting in the same seat as someone else. And the shadows lengthen, and it feels as if a presence is right there behind them at the table as well. There are many candles in here, and yet the candles are so inadequate at illuminating the enormity of this hall. It feels like this entire space has been carved out of shadow. At this point, the door is opened by Walt, and he has a horrified look on his face as he opens the doors and the shadows press in from the outside, and he slams the door behind them, and he says, What are you still doing? You should be in bed by now. You should be in your homes. Tonight is the night. Oh, I thought it was dinner. We're just finishing up. Is is something going to happen? What's, the sun what's... already set. He whips out his bottle that you saw him working with previously and begins painting hastily on the door the same symbols you saw warding the chambers you were supposed to be sleeping in. She's dead, Walt. Perform your rituals if you must. Leave the meat on the windowsill. She's dead. Ford, looking down at his stew, not even looking in Alea's direction grumbles almost to himself. She's not the only thing that we have to be worried about these days. Yeah, I mean, there's also uh, somewhere around here a small fox dressed as a rabbit and also two rabbits dressed as rabbits. 
I don't know what they're up to. What do you mean? Well, I mean, there's, there's some kids who are somewhere around, getting up the hijinks, running in one door and coming out a different door and back and forth across the hallway. You know, stuff like that. Alea looks at Walt and says, There are three children in the palace. If you're worried about the shadows, they should be found. Well, then somebody must go and find them. We cannot leave them wandering this town alone. Squeakers pipes up and looks at Walt and says, I don't hear you volunteering. Alea looks down at him and says, Do you want to go and find out what lies in the shadows tonight? Yes. I'm so sorry. I'm... <laughs> hi... <laughs> I'm sorry, the mood was very dark, and it seems like this is very important, and I'm very curious about Lies in the Shadows, and if, if we need to find these kids, it's like a game of hide-and-seek, right? And I'm such a good seeker. It's true, she's very she good. She is actually very good at that. Raindrop, I'll tell you what. We got three little kids running around here that gotta be found, and uh, I am not gonna let you go alone. So, uh, you stick with me, and we're gonna find them. And also Alea is going to come with us, right? And he turns and looks up at her. Alea just looks back and is like, of course. I knew there was something I liked about you. Now come on, we got people to go find. These wards are too complicated to teach. And he reaches into his coat and withdraws a sack that is crunchy and has pus and goo seeping oh, from the from yikes. the bottom. And he says... This may serve as an offering, should you encounter anything untoward. Rainjap will eagerly reach her hand up and take the bag and say, you've certainly entrusted this to the right person. The bag squishes as you grab it. Oh, that good old raw bug meat. It's a sensory nightmare. Alea wrinkles her nose and says, I told you, Walt, she's dead. She doesn't need an offering. All I know is, there have been less mysterious deaths since we began the offerings and wards. Take your chances if you wish. As the group heads towards the door, Ford looks up and says to Alea, You bring him back home. You keep him safe. That is what we do. Big damn near a moment. Don't worry. Just like old times. Full of confidence, Raindrop throws open the door and looks down the hall and watches as the candles flick off one by one by one and the hall stretches into complete darkness. Next week on Wander and Rome. The dark halls of Umer Palace stretch out before our heroes as they depart on a search to save three children from the dangers that lurk here in the shadows of the nameless god. Music for Wander and Rome is written and performed by Gary Argyle. Wander and Rome is produced by Winterhawk Podcasts and Gary Argyle. For more great shows, visit winterhawkpodcasting.com.